Hey, Lauren. Yeah, Eric. Remember last week you said that you wouldn't be addressing any letters we got on Catra because we got letters that covered everything you could possibly say about Catra? Yes, I remember that. I bet you didn't think we'd get a letter comparing Catra to BoJack Horseman, did you? I didn't. I didn't. They went above and beyond and they surprised me. So I guess it's time for more Catra chat. This was this was a really thoughtful letter by a really thoughtful person, spurned on by the fact that I said the mushroom people in last week's episode looked like Paul F. Tompkins. And then we got a really good analysis of the differences in Bojack and Catra's like uh, come to Jesus arcs, which is very sweet. And uh, I admit I haven't watched Bojack, but I bet I'd like it. So I probably should. I think you'd like it a lot, but also you're not supposed to want to be Bojack. Bojack is not a good person or horse. So speaking of Catra news or Catra surprises, have you been looking at Noel's Twitter this week? I have, and uh, I think I know what you're going to say. Yes. So uh, Noel revealed that Catra had nine lives and burned through all of them throughout the course of the series and then had them refreshed sort of like a Doctor Who episode during Save the Cat. Um, I'm sorry, Doctor Who? Shut up, Eric. Welcome back to She-Ra Progressive of Power. I'm Lauren. I'm Eric. And, you know, before Eric so rudely interrupted me with a joke, how dare, I did have, uh, like, an actual discussion about Catra's lives, but... Hey, now that we're going to do it after the theme song, we might as well do it with our new friend. Uh, we have a guest with us today. Eric, do you follow any YouTubers? I'm going to sound ancient, but I actually don't. I don't. I sometimes will, like, when I'm eating breakfast or something, like, look up YouTube clips of things that I enjoy to see what's out there. But, like, I don't follow any personalities. Ha- oh, that's not entirely true. I started watching Strange Rebel Gaming because of uh, Brianna White voicing Aerith in the Final Fantasy VII remake this year. Hey, that's something. That's not even yes. that I watched. That's a new one to me. Um, how? <laughs> I, I know I should know this because you're one of my best friends, but how wide is our age gap? Because I don't consider you ancient. I'm 36. You're 35, right? No, I'm 34. <laughs> oh, oops. Uh, You're 33, right? Yeah, I'm 29, and that's a pretty <laughs> What's big. What's a 16 year old doing co-hosting <laughs> this podcast? So, um, I follow lots of YouTubers. I follow the Try Guys and Outside Extra, Outside Xbox, Good Mythical Morning. Though I'm kind of mad at them because they're not isolating. They're not doing their show from quarantine. So, whatever. Uh, but I, I saw someone on YouTube who I very quickly became a huge fan of and then power tripped and just asked her to be on the show. And she said yes. So, uh, Eric, I would like you to meet Bailey Myers. She is a content creator, uh, streams on Twitch every day uh, at Balian versus Predator. I'm sure she'll tell us about that. And I discovered her through her series Goose Drunks. Hello, Bailey. Hi. Hi, Bailey. Lauren, do you want our other listeners to also get to know Bailey or just me? Just you. Oh, okay. <laughs> they can, they can take else. it or <laughs> an audience of one. This is just for Eric. If anyone else enjoys what I'm saying, that's an added bonus, I guess. I got really I excited definitely... just because of a tweet about Taco Bell. I was like, they're going to be best friends. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Okay, I was looking through your Twitter feed earlier. We tried the grilled cheese burrito on the same day, and I also really liked it. It's too good. Like, it's it made me angry how good it was because now I just spend every waking moment telling myself that if I eat another one, it'll shave five years off of my life. Like, you get but, you one, know, you know? What are we living for anymore, though? Honestly, that's a really good point. Right? <laughs> okay, wait, that's actually, like, an incredible transition, and I don't know if it was intentional, but when you said shave five years off of your life, let me actually ask the Catra question. Oh, yeah, can we call it really fast a Chatra, because you said that, and I was like, it's right there, come on. <laughs> sure, <laughs> let's have a Chatra together. Today's Chatra topic I is... I love this. <laughs> it's gonna that's stick. our next podcast. It's, gonna stick. it's just the, the Chatra. We could. With all of those letters we've gotten, we have another 50-episode show called Chatra right in our pockets. I don't know why we're turning away from this. Anyway, (laughs) do either of you feel like you had a moment in your life where maybe you gave up one of your nine lives like Catra did? Well, one time I ate a Taco Bell grilled cheese burrito and lived to tell the tale. I mean, it's fair. If that happens, I think I've given up like seven lives to Taco Bell. (laughs) Taco Bell owns um, all my lives. Taco Bell can keep taking mine. I'm good <laughs> with that. Uh, wh- so I, I like to think of myself as a good driver, and I genuinely think I am. But when I was younger, I'm sure I took risks that I shouldn't have. And one time, one of those risks involved, like, the I was I was getting on an on-ramp that had, like, kind of construction come out of nowhere. But I was, like, going too fast to, like slow and 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 merge in like a respectful way so i just kind of like sped up through the zone that had like the little um like standee saying i wasn't supposed to be driving in it and cut in at like regular expressway speed and i feel like i probably should have been in an accident right then this is when i was like 17 years old the fact that any of us drove cars when we were 16 or 17 is amazing. (laughs) Oh yeah. Looking back on it, that should be illegal. Like full offense to all teenagers out there. You're too young to drive. Well, it's weird. Why would you say that about Lauren? My 16. (laughs) (laughs) So I think I, the, the closest I ever felt to like, dying was when I passed out outside of hot dogs uh, here in Chicago. What? I was waiting for, um, well, you know what hot dogs was, right? Let, so can you tell people, because I also have a hot dog story. Wow, hot dogs hour. Um, so hot dogs is a Chicago icon. It is a hot dog stand that used to sell just like specialty meat hot dogs. So you could go and you could get like a gator dog or an ostrich dog, and they had different weird ones each day. So my friend Dave was friends with Doug Sohn, the owner. We went to Hot Dogs after Dave got engaged. We went to Hot Dogs a bunch of times. Uh, Doug himself announced that he was retiring and closing the store. And so for like a month before Hot Dogs closed, there was a three-hour line. And I, being a very smart 16, I wasn't 16 years old. This was just a few years ago. I You're 13. Yeah, <laughs> a few years ago when I was 13, I decided to not eat anything in the morning because I was going to go for my last hot dogs and eat so many hot dogs that I wanted my stomach to be empty. Well, that's a stupid thing to do, folks. And I passed out from heat stroke in front of hot dogs. Uh, I, oh my God. I split my chin open on the no. side of the building when I fell and ended up with stitches in my face. 
Uh, Doug did, in fact, say he would give me free food if I came back before he closed, but I did not make it. No. Uh, you didn't even get your food? No, rumor That's has it. That's the worst it. part. Yeah, rumor has it he's still selling hot dogs in, like, baseball parks sometimes. But I don't know, like, if I went up to him and was like, do you remember years ago you heard about someone fainting outside of your store and splitting their face open? That was me. I don't know if you'd remember that. It would be a very embarrassing thing to, like, run up to him and say. But I think I... I I think I lost a life for hot dogs. <laughs> I also Perfect. hate to tell you that um, baseball games aren't happening right now either. So yeah, thanks for yeah. thanks for the reminder. <laughs> uh, so here's my hot dog story. Also, I, this was like about a month before it closed. I wonder if we were somehow there on the same day, but we knew each other then, so that's impossible. I went on like a Monday at like eleven, so the wait was only maybe an hour forty five. In the morning and, or at night? In the morning. Okay, just checking. So, I don't know hot dogs deal. So yeah, it was. Uh, they opened at eleven a.m. I, I think, but I like there was a huge line by the time More I got that, there yeah. already. So I didn't realize it was cash only until I got into the vestibule, which at that point I'd already been waiting like an hour fifteen, and I didn't have any cash on me. And I knew that if I left a line because I was there alone, I was like not getting back in line. So the people ahead of me, I could see had like fat stacks of cash. So I was like to this stranger, I go, "Hey, man." If I PayPal you $25, would you give me a 20? And he talked it over with his friends, and he was like, yeah, that makes sense. I've got a 20 to spare. So I, I PayPal'd him the 25 bucks. He gave me his email address. He takes his phone out to check that I sent it to him. And this, like, woman who's in a rush and is kind of, like, disheveled and, and like, kind just, like, not necessarily in a pleasant mood just like we're in the doorway and she blows past us and knocks into both of us and knocks his phone out of his hands and breaks his phone (gasps) oh my gosh she had to have her 11 a.m hot dog and nothing was getting in her way (laughs) i felt so bad you lost a life from shock and despair right like how do i what do i even say to this guy because like it wasn't my fault (laughs) god yeah, it was horrible, but I did get two hot dogs and a fry, and it was really good. So, <laughs> so Bailey, what was your hot dog related death? Because you obviously you must have one. It's so common I, that this happens to people. You know, first thing on that, I didn't know what hot dogs was, and so and when you said hot dogs, I was like, oh, that makes sense, because my brain immediately was like, obviously that's a strip club. That sounds like a strip club. <laughs> so I just assumed you were about to tell me a story about a time you fainted in front of a strip club, which would have been a very, well, slightly different tone, I would say. Um, Not out but of I, character, though. Could happen. You know, you know everyone's, everyone's got to faint somewhere, right? Um, which, speaking <laughs> of, my story, I actually, re- you telling that reminded me, I actually have a passing out and almost hitting my head and dying story. Um when I was in college, I went to University of Oregon, and there's these beautiful hot springs, like, a couple hours up the freeway. And so me and my group of friends at the time went, uh, it, was, it was winter, which is the time you go to hot springs, because that's when it's fun. And we went for this long drive, and we ha- then had to park really far and then hike to the springs. And so we were drinking the whole time time because that makes sense and then we got there and our friend who was supposed to pack a picnic had packed just more alcohol and so we were completely out of our minds drunk and i have a very very low blood pressure um so we sat in the hot springs for several hours 
um, getting further dehydrated. And then I got out of the hot springs and passed the heck out. Oh, my God. I was caught by my boyfriend at the time. If he had not caught me, I would have smashed my whole head on a rock. Also, I was naked. Oh, my God. (laughs) Wow. so so many layers. There's a lot going on there, but basically I think that was every extra life I had just gone. Wow. That's wild. I'm glad we're all alive to talk about (laughs) She-Ra. Me too. Yeah, I guess we should talk about She-Ra today. What? Hold on. Should we? Shouldn't we? We should probably talk to Bailey a little more first, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were going to interject it throughout the show, but she did mention drinking. So I guess we could get into her YouTube show. I guess that's been my brand forever, huh? (laughs) <laughs> are you drunk right now it's okay uh, if you are <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere and by somewhere i mean here exactly here. <laughs> you know so i discovered I, I don't know how i discovered goose trunks i think it was just youtube's algorithm giving me a gift frankly <laughs> but i started watching them because this is like a funny like really goody two-shoes confession I guess I was too scared to read Goosebumps books when I was a kid and so the other kids would be like checking them out from a library and I'd be like no too spooky um I did actually go through a lot of the give yourself Goosebumps books the choose your own adventure ones honestly those are my favorites for some reason, I gravitate. Those were better for me, I think, because my type A self felt like I was in control somehow. Like, well, if I caused my own grisly R.L. Stein death, it's only my fault. I won't be startled. Sure, but I never, sure. I never read the like classics, and so you've been reading them to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're uh, getting indoctrinated into the into the main series. Better late than never. I I mostly also read the Give Yourself Goosebumps books when. When I was a kid, I just like to choose your own adventure. I still do. I still play like text-based choose your own adventure games and stuff because it's fun and I like it. Um, although I will say like pretending you have any sense of control when playing a Goosebumps version is just giving R.L. Stein way too much credit, I would say. <laughs> Uh, he truly, he makes such decisions for you and you're like, all right, well, I guess, I guess I died via mini golf. Okay, here we are. Like, uh, I, I watched the, the one you did with Jenny Nicholson and the ending where you just became a mini golf star. I was like, that's the best ending. That's the best possible scenario. Yeah, we we knew we wanted to do one of those for a while because she's she's been my best friend since high school. And we used to like go to a Red Robin or a Denny's and we would sit with like a basket of fries and just do a give yourself goosebumps. And we would trade it back and forth like we did in the episode anytime there was a choice. And it was a ton of fun. And that one was always our favorite because I think just the dichotomy of endings you can get like it had both ends of the silliness spectrum where like we're like you said one ending, you can somehow become a professional mini golfer where uh, the bad guys are so impressed by your mad mini golf skills that they insist on being your manager. And then in another ending, you can just gruesomely starve to death in a closet. And that's in the same book. So the idea of Goose Drunks is a drinking game. And I've noticed that it's sort of evolved over time from many rules down to like a couple. <laughs> yes. What made that decision for you? (laughs) Um, It became very clear to me almost immediately that it is extremely difficult to keep track of a bunch of rules when you've been drinking heavily. Um, I am now firmly of the opinion that the best 
drinking games are the ones that have tops five rules, not even like. So for me, for give your for for goose chunks, the only two rules that really matter are if it's stupid and if it's scary. And typically, it's stupider more than it's scary. But sometimes RL has surprised me. I'm surprised sometimes. It's just any more than that, and it's impossible to keep track of because you're so focused on the, whatever dumb, stupid stuff is happening in the book. Yeah, I found that complex drinking games, like watching movies, if you're trying to do them with friends, you end up getting lost in the deliberation of it. Like, yes. oh, was that a drink or not? Or, I mean, did it count? And just giving rules that are somewhat subjective, like, well, it's your opinion that it was stupid. The end. Yes, exactly. Like, that was dumb. I'm going to drink through all of it. I am following the rules exactly. Yeah, with movie drinking games are exactly the same way for me. Like, you really do need just the bare minimum number of rules that'll just propel you through it. So, Bailey, uh, we we usually ask our guests, obviously you're a fan of the She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, but were you familiar with the previous iteration of She-Ra or He-Man or any of that stuff? You know, I was, I was familiar in a, like like a cultural osmosis way, but it kind of predates me a little bit. Not like not to give too much away about the year I was born, but I was not of an age where I could watch it when it was on the air. So you are somewhere younger than me, but older than Lauren, who is again, 18. Nope. 16. I can't 13? even keep our bits straight. <laughs> Lauren. No, you were 13 at hot dogs. Right. And now I'm, yeah, so I'm about yeah. a halfway point there. So never, never yeah. quite was able to like, I've seen, I've seen clips of it. It just, it really is, as far as I can tell, no offense, mostly seems like a half hour long toy commercial. That's not I mean, wrong. It is. It's, it's charming, in my opinion, yeah. but it is also a commercial. Crystal Swift wins Starburst She-Ra and Catra Dog, each sold separately. Now, your beautiful wings and magic horn. I want Crystal Swift wings. My dazzling Starburst cape will stop you outshined again. I think Catra has seen the light. Starburst She-Ra and Crystal Swift wind each sold separately. New from the Princess of Power collection, Catra also sold separately. Eric, um, A, I kind of want to go get a beer. But maybe I can do that while you're doing the summary. <laughs> Rude. Okay. I'm going to do it super fast. Oh, dang. I'll move fast, Lauren. So today we're covering Return to the Fright Zone. This is a very action-packed episode. Uh, in the A story, Adora, Catra, Perfuma, and Natasa go to the Fright Zone to try to save uh, their friend Scorpia from Horde Prime's chip. Unfortunately, they find that... Uh, the chipped Mermista and, uh, gosh, who else is even chipped? Oh, and, uh, of course, Spinnerella are also there, and uh, they've got a fight on their hands. So that's kind of the bulk of the episode. Meanwhile, the B story, uh, Bo and Glimmer go off to find Bo's dads, who he's worried have been taken over by Horde Prime. It turns out that they haven't. They've just been kind of doing their own research into the past of Etheria and trying to see what they can see. And they learn about a prior rebellion uh, that fought against oppressors in the time of the first ones, uh, including probably some of the only world building we actually get this season. And one of the lines that most broke, I think, both mine and Lauren's heart this whole series. Uh, that's, I think, what I've got to say about this one. Let's start with the disappointing thing, uh, if you don't mind. Let's just get it out of the way. Oh, sure. I G-chatted Lauren as soon as this came up. 
I was like, there's a line in Return of the Fright Zone that you're going to pull your hair out over. Lauren, how much did it break your heart to hear Rebel Squadron Grayskull? Yeah. Uh... So this, we've talked about how season five, like this whole series sets up so many opportunities for world building that a lot of the, especially the back half of the final season kind of tables to focus on the characters, which I think is a perfectly valid choice. However, for people like me and and some of our guests and apparently like Lauren, because I've corrupted her looking for some of that tantalizing connection to the original mythos, which again, the show has set up for us. It says things like, like Grayskull and attorney are in play. And then it just, takes this wild diversion into a throwaway line about what Grayskull actually is in this universe, which is a rebel squadron that's never been mentioned before. Bailey, how did, so (laughs) I imagine we're talking gobbledygook right now. Mm -hmm. You probably had no expectations for what Grayskull should be, right? I mean, honestly, no, but I will say that just be, okay, how do I phrase this? Um, I don't think that, just because it's Rebel Squadron Grayskull, it necessarily means that that is like the capital G Grayskull. Like I, like it's possible it was named after. I I agree with that. It was and named in honor of Grayskull. For the honor of Grayskull, even. I I mean I think this is where my fanfiction brain of of twenty years ago goes to work and says yes, like they are named after the original castle and Eternia is like the the planet or the group of the you know fighting against the oppressive first ones or whatever it is kind of a bummer to me that all we really get of Grayskull is this throwaway line that has no basis in anything that we've seen before and i doubt that that was like you know maybe the direction that was intended i could see where mattel was like watching their ip very closely and was like well you know kevin smith's got a whole series about gray skull coming up so but yeah this was a bummer to me i think what it's most disappointing for how do i want to say this it, it for me it really cast a light on the other things in this series that never get explained um Eternia, for example, is said yeah. a lot and it's never explained. Including in this episode, that is the key to unlocking the secret hologram. Right, so it's apparently like just a word. But I remember, I don't remember who I was talking to. It was one of the interviewers, interviewees we had from DreamWorks. And I remember getting praised for pointing out some of the set pieces in the Fright Zone. Like, oh, there's crashed spaceships. Like, I wonder what happened here. We're really going to learn what the Fright Zone is. And I don't feel like I even really got that satisfied for myself either. And so it raises big questions about what were some of the world-building intentions? And did some of them fall by the wayside or, or what? And, like, where even does Adora come from? Like, it's very vague, ultimately. And I don't know that it matters to her character, but it does seem strange that all of this is set up and then kind of not super addressed. Yeah, you know, I can get behind uh, a world in which the origins don't matter. And if the lesson is we have the friendships that we have now and we're going to make a brighter future because of the bonds we have, like, great. But then there are things I would I just wouldn't include in this show in the first place. Agree. 
But yeah, that was the absolute lowest I felt about the whole show. So I guess if that's the worst, then we're not doing too bad. Because I actually really love this episode. Yeah, I, th- I honestly think the episode's great. I mean, like, yeah, that I, I can see that throwaway line being disappointing if you're really looking for answers. Uh, but I'm a person who tends to, like, dislike the over-explaining of like like for instance like when solo came out i was like i don't need any of this like i don't oh, i don't I need agree everything with explained you. to me <laughs> yes i agree with you so much i think it was just like and it's a personal stake right like because he-man was such a part of my childhood i was like looking for a silhouette of the castle which i think was like one of lauren's bingo squares it was <laughs> womp womp uh, and it just one. it just was never never to be. But yeah, I think Solo is a bad bad movie, and I agree that like <laughs> the trend in nerd properties to like like Tim Burton's Batman, right? The Joker killed Bruce Wayne's parents. Come the yeah. fuck on! Not everything has to be anything, you know. Like it, right. But I mean, other other than that one disappointing though, I actually I agree with you. I do really like this episode. Like it has, I would say, the strongest cold open. Like my favorite of the season. Um, the one when Natasha is just explaining what everyone's weaknesses are and squirts Cactra right in the face with water. Like, first of all, hilarious. Second of all, sets up the fight with Mermista later really well. Like, I think it's very strong. Speaking of Batman, this is Natasha's full Batman moment oh, where yeah. she has plans on how to take down everybody on her team. Although it's three fires and one water <laughs> and then like two or three crippling emotional weaknesses, which I love. Right. Glimmer's <laughs> line. That's very personal compared to fire is amazing um bit of trivia that i think is pretty common knowledge the drawings in her sketchbook were done by noelle stevenson uh also eric and i do a lot of talking about like who's your favorite princess or like what princess do you relate the most to and this cold open that you called out bailey i think makes it natasa for me the very much like i'm sitting here and i'm planning and i'm taking notes and i do have you know a weakness for someone that I love very much but I'm compensating for it by having a solution for anything that could come my way and it makes me feel powerful I was like "Uh oh she's the one it took until it took until (laughs) this season for me to find her but Eric for me it's Natasha I get I mean she's so great in this episode and it does make me sad that we didn't get to see more of her in Spinnerella which is something you know that we talked uh, about with some of the writers is that they just kind of felt like those uh the story was in the younger characters but it is cool that they get a spotlight and this is such a good episode for especially natasha yeah this episode is like such a big like the biggest moment of the entire series even for natasha and spinnerella like i feel like it's the most screen time they really get it's the most dialogue they really get like they really uh it's their it's i would say their strongest episode it made me happy to see them take front and center for once agree with that the you're my weakness line is like uh you know it, it's pretty uh over the top emotively but it also does like it does add a nice button to this this arc right i've yeah. cried i've cried every time i've heard that line there have been a couple of moments in this season where you've kind of pointed out something that was cheesy and i was like oh i wept at that part it's cool well and we did say you know if the series is not about immense lore building and world building it is about relationships and this podcast gives me the opportunity to watch this show multiple times when maybe otherwise I would have just watched it once if I were just a casual fan and I really enjoyed watching this episode a second time or maybe a third time because now that we know no spoilies 
where some characters end up or maybe who they end up with. I'm looking for it more now. And I can oh, see I agree. It I know more. what you mean. Yes, sorry yes. To, I was so excited to agree with you. I'm sorry I stepped on you while you were talking. I was just like, the entire time I was taking notes, like, oh, of course they wound up together. That makes so much sense now in retrospect. Like, oh, it was so Even good. Like, some I, of the fanships, uh, even some of the fanships, I think, are justified here. I think I think one of the main things with the show is there. it's really about how, like, love is our greatest strength, even when it is our greatest weakness. And I think it's like that thesis is perfectly encapsulated in this episode where like, sure, Perfuma's weakness is fire, but is it? So that's that's kind of what I wanted to talk about, like emotionally in this episode is how how do you both feel about her impassioned defense of like keeping her heart open at the end? Because I think that's a beautiful moment. And, you know, I, I think probably if you ask anybody, they'll say that they like keep themselves open to hurt and that's why people hurt them. So I don't think I'm like unique in thinking that that applies to me, but I really do believe in her philosophy of like, sometimes you have to be a little reckless with who you let in and give people a chance to like love and be loved. So, so what are your takes on that as like pe modern people living in, you know, this crazy era we call the 2020s. <laughs> well, first of all, I just, I mean, Genesis Rodriguez sells it so well. Like, she does such a good job in this episode. And I definitely tear up. I, I cried a little bit this time, even. I just, like, just before this one, I was re-watching to make sure I, like, had my points down re-watching. I was, like, tearing up a little bit when she was talking about the importance of being open. And she does such a good job. And I think I definitely, it's something I struggle with. So it, it sort of really hit home for me. And I just, I like this episode a lot. <laughs> That's why Perfuma is my favorite. <laughs> See, we Lauren and I both find our favorites in this episode. Yes. Well, you already found yours. You already knew. That's true, but she she earns it super hard in this episode. Uh, emotionally, like, I don't know how cheesy or, like, successfully vulnerable this is going to sound, because that's not really my brand, but uh, a perspective I bring to these later episodes a lot is the, frankly, perspective of a divorced person. Um, the end of this series wraps up with so much romantic love and so much like love conquers all energy that I remember getting through this season the first time and feeling like a little left out, like, Oh, mm. everyone pairs off and love conquers all. And I'm kind of shut out to that right now. This sucks. Hmm. But you know, I mean, feel like time changes things for me very quickly. And even from the beginning, uh, the first time I watched through this and the second, my own relationship with my current partner and my like grieving process post-divorce, they've evolved quite a bit. And I really think there is still a lot of reason to be open with people and to allow yourself to love and to be vulnerable. I think sometimes this show being for kids is a little... Um, more optimistic and a little more simplistic about that than I'd like. But in the end, like it's, it's thawing me. It is thawing me. And I'm really happy that it is. Aww. Yeah. I would say not only is it, I mean, like, yes, it's, it is, there's romantic love as like kind of a, a focal point when you're looking at like Adora and Catra, but I would almost say that their, their romance as important as it is, is not as important as their friendship. And like, 
the the it's it is literally the power of friendship and so the love that i think uh, gives the team the most strength is their friendship love for each other. And that's why when, like, Perfuma at the end is, like, basically offering to tutor Katra in friendship is such a sweet moment for me because she's the one who struggles with it the most for very obvious reasons. And I think I think it's something that's kind of undervalued is just that love between friends and the show really drives home how important it is. Th- yeah, thank you. I say this all the time, but I, re- I really don't, I think there's a lot of non-romantic stuff to read into like Perfuma's feelings towards Scorpia here. Like she really is just looking out for her friend. It it breaks me when she says that to Horde Prime that um, Scorpia's greatest strength is is her friendship, right? And I think it's a really powerful moment when Catra admits that uh, Scorpia is really lucky to have a friend like Perfuma because to me this is actually a kind of a about as close as we're gonna get to Catra like specifically recognizing someone that she wronged and like kind of making amends and trying to do better by, you know, letting letting Perfuma be Scorpio's friend, I guess, and embracing that. Yeah, there's at the beginning of this episode almost like a battle between Perfuma and Catra over, like, who gets to claim Scorpia or, like, who knows her best. And you could read it romantically, I suppose, if you wanted to. But in the end, the reconciliation between Catra and Perfuma, for me... Uh, kind of to your point, Eric, is the most successful swing at the Catra Redemption arc for me in this series. You get to see over the arc of an episode, two people sort of learn to communicate with one another and understand the strengths and struggles of the other. And like, I believed that they were friends by the end in a way that I'm not sure by the end of the series, I believe for like Catra and Frosta, for example, or... Catra and most other characters, <laughs> etc. I was I was really happy just to see Perfuma go after Catra a little bit because like someone's got to call Catra out. Uh, one other kind of sub theme I thought was interesting is Bo lectures his dad's. Uh, you can't just work on ancient history like nothing's happening. Uh, certainly, I think a line that strikes a chord with maybe those of us who aren't on the front lines fighting all the injustice that is happening in the world, but, you know, maybe contributing in the ways that we can. Uh, I don't know, did this strike you as, as speaking to the times at all? <clears throat> yeah, I I definitely find that relevant. I do wonder, though, if it's fair of Bo to make that accusation, because the research that his dads are doing ends up cracking open the whole thing for them. I think the lesson that we learn is that everyone contributes to the fight in their own way. And so I don't necessarily feel comfortable for like COVID reasons or like I'm a privileged white woman. Am I the right person to be telling this story reasons to like go to every protest, for example. But I, as a person with a nine to five job, and more financial security than most people I know have set up a ton of monthly donations. And I'm trying to use my money to be how I contribute to resisting or my social media voice or this podcast. Um, And I mean, I'm not going to try to say like one type of resistance is better than another because it's not. But Bo's dads are fighting how they can. And Bo is fighting how he can. And it's all valid. And I would I would say too that 
Bo saying that to his dads isn't necessarily because it's uh, true. I think it is just because he was so worried about about him. And it's it just comes from a place of love and concern rather than uh, explicitly denouncing the value of uh, of researching the ancient times, which is, you know, immediately proven to be important because that's how they find the failsafe. Yeah, and I guess if we wanted to talk more about our own parents right now, and I will step lightly, uh, I would much rather be concerned about, like, are my parents on the right side of history, period, like, at all. (laughs) And Bo's dads are absolutely on the right side of history, even if they're sort of participating in their their own unique way. I I agree with both of you, and I, I do want to say just in in the vein of using our voice responsibly that um i completely agree with you that going to protests makes me nervous for covid but studies have shown that probably protesting hasn't led to a very large uh, increase in in the spread of it so if anyone out there is thinking about going um it's probably okay but of course anytime you put that many people together it is a little little hairy right now yes that is true and thank you for saying that my anxiety was definitely unfounded and i appreciate you pointing that out yeah the mask the masks want, you know, go a really long way to protect people and at protests you really take your mask off for several reasons so if you are thinking about going to a protest then as long as you have your mask on you like be aware of your own limitations but having a mask on you is like the first and most important step to protecting yourself yes i yes Echoing that. One other thing I want to say about Bo's dad, huge props to M. Willis for the incredible dad joke in this episode. Yeah. Just A++ work. I liked all of the references to dads as well. Like, I don't speak dad and they can't defend themselves. They're dads. Like, as if dads are some sort of other species i i love that i i want to always remember how young people see their parents and then the dads being like we don't know technology it's like ah universal (laughs) (laughs) people tell me i listen to dad music and i dress like dads uh but i you know it's funny to think about like so i'm 36 when my dad was 36 he was not recording podcasts about cartoons and he would in fact barely watch them with me he was slumming it to do that he did not have a super sick collection of action figures and did not 100 percent the latest smash brothers so what i'm saying is my dad sucks obviously <laughs> like i don't know, I don't know. if you had kids if you'd be a hundred percenting smash bros maybe 85 percent i mean it was not a hard game to 100 <laughs> percent. i gotta tell okay. you but fair point Fair point, Lauren. Did you notice that um, George actually kind of looks like vintage Bo? I, I don't know why I was only seeing it for the first time this episode, but the mustache and the haircut, and then he actually was... The classic shirt. Yeah, he was holding a bow yeah. and like, oh, I saw it. Yeah I, yeah, I would say the tone of his voice is very similar to Bo's, too. I don't know if that's intentional, but like um, Lance has a very like resonant, really lovely voice. Who's, that? Who's the VA? I wrote it down because it just really struck me this episode, how beautiful his voice is. Uh, Reggie Davis, just an incredible deep voice. But I think that George has a voice that's much 
closer to Bose and also an appearance much closer to Bose. And I do think that's done intentionally. Also, I really love that Glimmer just without hesitation goes with Bo to the B plot on this one. I think she's grown so much as a character from the first episode when she always wanted to be part of the main action, even if it wasn't smart to at this point, like, yeah, she probably could have been on the A plot, a plot and it would have been helpful. But Bo really needed her and she without hesitation went with him. Man, that's a great point. It, it does speak to even her growth this season, like trying to kind of get back to a good spot with Bo's friendship. Uh that's a really good point. Yeah, that's that's a scene I was specifically alluding to and I was like, be careful of the spoilers because Glimmer's enthusiasm about being involved with Bo's family and being a part of Bo's family, I think speaks volumes about their friendship and about more. Lauren, what what more? What are you even talking about? I don't know. There's no way. <laughs> In three episodes, there's no way that anything is going to happen. Yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) (laughs) The only other thing I want to call out in this episode, we have talked so much in in, uh, Save the Cat especially about how Horde Prime is a real Emperor Palpatine-like figure, like with his little throne room and his choral music and his plans. And his crop top. yeah, and his, yes, <laughs> exactly like Palpatine. Palpatine crop uh, I'd pay good money to see that, actually. I, I do truly, I think Ian McDermott is like probably the most underrated person in all of Star Wars. Oh, I yeah. think he might be the only actor to play the same character in all three sets of movies. P3PO, right? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Anthony and Anthony Daniels. Daniels. Yeah. Good point. But man, but he, such verve though. Like he really he really just always seems like he's having so much fun. So like even in the new trilogy, the appear his appearance didn't incite joy in me, but it was still nice to see him. <laughs> oh, I I actually really like Rise of the Skywalker and I think bringing Palpatine back with no um like foreshadowing is just such a stupid and like bold move that i kind of loved it like the dead speak oh okay it's a good thing it's a good thing we already decided i'm quitting and bailey's taking over because i would have decided it then that's it (laughs) (laughs) well but anyway so my point being horde prime quotes palpatine in this episode saying uh your faith or your your fixation on saving your friends has made you weak that is something Palpatine says to Luke almost verbatim in Jedi. These guys must have like been roommates in evil overlord college or something. They gotta get their skills somewhere, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. I want to see that textbook. There's got to be the like evil <laughs> planetary emperor textbook in evil people school. And it's like, what? chapter one, thrones. Horde Prime has a BA in uh, evil emperor and uh, minor in fashion merchandising. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, I mean, you're kind of an evil people school, right? What have they taught you about thrones? <laughs> uh, mostly that the throne is metaphorical and it's about all of the money that you amass through quiet loopholes in tax law. Right, right. The throne is built on the back of exploited workers. I I understand. In, in real life, I have a book about raising venture capital that Eric still needs to borrow. So it's not even really a bit that I'm doing. Wait, Lauren, why do I need to borrow that book? Am I going to try to start a business like not with problematic partners? I thought you've already talked about that on this podcast. You've already told the listeners that we're moving. I 
I haven't. I've cut it out twice, but I'll I'll say with Bailey as my witness because I think this is relevant to you, Bailey. I'm I'm moving to LA in about a month. Oh wow! Now's a great time. Everything's open. <laughs> it's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. So the thing about um, it, if we're leaving it in the like, episode this time, if we're leaving it in the episode this time, uh-huh. uh, when we visited LA together to visit DreamWorks and to meet our She-Ra friends, Eric was talking a lot about how he used to want to move there. And, you know, now that he's got this job and the podcast and there's so much that he's doing and so much that's going well, you know, he doesn't have to move out there anymore. And the second, the second the world, <laughs> listen, honey, the second the world started going to shit, your like job situation aside, but obviously that was the catalyst. The back of my mind started asking, like, wonder if Eric's going to go out there. But I don't know. It's still sooner than I'd like. I'm really going to miss you. And also the pandemic sucks. Just just like, oh, wait a second. It's- it's terrifying. Like I am not stoked about where California is right now, but oh, me neither. Way too it, far yeah. west for my taste. Push <laughs> but, it in, you know. <laughs> push it in, yeah. Uh, I I just I think it's it's time. I think uh, this is what I would have done if Max hadn't come calling with a job that turned out to be a Faustian offer. And so it's what I'm going to do. So I'm saying it now and I promise I won't delete it this time. So yeah, got about another month in Chicago. This podcast isn't done and we're recording remotely all the damn time. Someone actually messaged us yesterday to ask if we were recording in a studio. Like, no, not probably ever again because sitting on my couch while I podcast is sweet. I'm just in my gaming closet. It's nice. You have a gaming closet? Yeah, I uh, I live in Hollywood, and uh, there's not a lot of square footage here. So uh, I have a studio apartment with a weirdly large closet that oh. I have set up my streaming space in, and I call it my gaming closet. Yeah, I'm looking at some pretty nice studios in the East Hollywood area. Uh, we'll, hey, we'll, be, we'll be neighbors. Yeah. yeah. Well. Let me know once you're out here. I've got plenty of stuff to suggest. All of these places that are closed, but uh, one day hopefully will be open. Hopefully. Cross my fingers. But uh, so that's what's my future. Lauren's going to become a master of business and build the thrown off exploded workers. But she'll exploit them slightly less. (laughs) Exploded workers, right? Yes. Is that more or less ethical than exploited workers? <laughs> uh, at least if they're exploded workers, their suffering ends quickly. I guess they're I guess they're they're post exploitation at that point. <laughs> Dark. <laughs> <laughs> Bailey, what Usually, does your future hold? Any uh, uh, any exciting moves or, or human suffering? Um. I mean, I don't plan on moving, and uh, I'm one of the cool people who at the beginning of this pandemic lost their job, so mostly I'm just sitting around in my closet streaming all day and uh, occasionally going to the beach. So uh, I don't know if we talked about it on mic or not, but in your future is the fact that Goose Drunks is coming back. I completely forgot to mention, I was like, oh, I have big news and big exciting plans. And then the second the opportunity to be like, actually, I'm doing another Goose Drunks came up. I was like, I just go to the beach now. <laughs> <laughs> no, <big deal. laughs> um, yeah, Goose Drunks is coming back. Uh, it was on a uh, several month hiatus, but it is 
making its return to the smallest of screens um, at the end of this month, July. I- I am so excited, so excited to hear that. I kind of alluded to it at the beginning of this episode when I was introducing Bailey, but it was a really weird, like, power move on my part to just, like, tweet at a YouTuber I liked and be like, do you want to hang out? And then have her say yes. And then to find out that she's bringing back the show that I watch really soon, I was like, I'm the most powerful person in the world. (laughs) <laughs> did this the most powerful man in the universe just like he-man yes i uh i do have to report that our uh yours and my tweets at lynn manuel miranda and uh Nicki minaj <laughs> did not go as well but you know there's always next week no i had to start aiming higher but we have a couple more episodes uh, I, I i manuel miranda wishes he was as big and successful as i am but you know <laughs> we can't all be here right <laughs> can't all be goosebumps. I've always said that. <laughs> we can't all be in the gaming closet. Okay. Yeah. No, in he fact, probably he does can fit in here at a time, I would say. So I bet he does wish he has a gaming closet though. You know, like sometimes he probably thinks about all the criticism of Hamilton and is like, life would be better if I just had a gaming closet. Bailey, if our listeners want to connect with you, find you, or enjoy your content, where should they go? Uh your listeners can find me uh, on Twitter at Bailey Myers. I am on YouTube at Goose Drunks, and I am on Twitch at Alien versus Predator. What are some of the things you are streaming on Twitch these days? Um, I have been because my setups a little bit uh, <laughs> less than great at the moment. So right now I'm basically just able to play what my Mac will allow me to play, uh, which is a very limited list. Although gaming PC coming shortly, so that's exciting. Uh, big exciting news there. Um, but for the most part, one of my major games that I play is I do Roller Coaster Tycoon, the classic version, and we just kind of chill out and listen to um, these playlists that I've made and just sort of talk about all kinds of stuff. And it's just a really good vibe. And I'm really enjoying being a part of the Twitch community because, first of all, it does feel like interacting with people every day, even if I'm not technically doing that. And then second of all, I am great at building roller coasters. Oh, my God. Walt Disney wishes. Um, Before we go, I don't know if this is going to work, but in honor of Goose Drunks, can we all think of one sort of overarching Shira season five drinking game rule? Anytime Catra is treated like shit, (laughs) you take an entire drink. I want to pig. I want to piggyback off of that and say anytime Catra treats someone like shit. (laughs) <laughs> and anytime Catra makes eyes at Adora, we have just made the first Chatra drinking game. I think anytime Catra's on screen, you just drink till she's not on screen anymore. <laughs> uh, <thank laughs> when Catra's not on screen, other characters should be asking, "Where's Catra?" Yeah, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, this has been Chatra, our new podcast. <laughs> thank you for listening. <laughs> Thanks for listening to She-Ra, Progressive of Power. If you like our show, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We super appreciate it. You can also send in any feedback you have to our email address, progressiveofpower at gmail.com, or to our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash progressiveofpower. <laughs>